One Sacred Pause with Jessica Windurl. All right, welcome to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm Jessica, and today I'm sitting here with Kate Murphy, a local yoga teacher, a green beauty blogger, and many other things that we'll talk about on this podcast. Uh, so welcome, Kate. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So we'll dive right in. How long have you been teaching, practicing yoga? Oh gosh. Yoga first came to me after breaking my leg uh, back in 2009, 2008, and I just wasn't healing. I was doing everything under the sun to heal my bones and my muscles, and someone said to me, why not try yoga? And so I went in there with that uh, idea that I was going to muscle my way through it, and then all of a sudden found, oh, I can breathe. Yeah. I can breathe. <laughs> and then started to see the magic of yoga. So that's how I came into the practice. Yeah. As far as teaching, I've been teaching now for four years. Awesome. Yeah. And you're from Canada originally. I am. So how did you end up in Norway? Like what was your journey <laughs> here to Oslo? <laughs> My journey to Oslo. Well, from a young age, I intuitively knew I wanted to live in Europe. Like I think from around 12, I was like, well, I'm gonna live in Europe one day. I didn't specify where. Yeah. <laughs> I was probably hoping for Paris, but uh, <laughs> Oslo it was. And uh, that happened after meeting a Norwegian, you know. As it does. Yeah, the Viking <laughs> way. Throw them th over your back and take you to their country. So I've been here for seven years now. Wow. Um, not with the same Viking, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Still a Viking. Yeah. So I guess that's that's the important part. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful here. That's awesome. Mm. And so what do you teach? What kind of yoga do you teach? I teach uh, a vinyasa-based flow, which I call mindful flow. And mindful flow, a big piece of why it was about getting present, getting into your body and out of the mind, yeah. even though it's called mindful. And the practice there, I originally thought, I'm creating this to get present. Mm -hmm. But what I understood later and probably more recently is why I really created it was because of trust. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I actually came to this realization over the course of the last few months is that I haven't felt like I've really trusted myself on a really deep level. Yeah. And I'm talking around intuition and really listening to my soul body. What is it telling me? And so in that practice, I've been practicing with my eyes closed for some time. And if I go to a class, I'll usually practice with my eyes closed for as much as I can to really start to trust myself, my intuition, my body to do the work and stay in my practice. And and uh, so that is the, the main class I teach here in Oslo. I also teach vinyasa classes and, mm -hmm. and yin as well with yoga nidra. But, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Mindful Flow is, is my baby, and, yeah. and I'm really passionate about teaching that class. Well, and it's so cool how that works out, too. I mean, you, you built the practice that you needed, and then it took some time for like more of the answers to be revealed, the more work that you did and the more time you spent with that. And you know, we talk a lot in the yoga world about staying a beginner and keeping that beginner mindset so that we're always eager to learn and eager to grow and, and leaning into sometimes the challenge of that process. But if we do it, if we're courageous enough, then we start to see the magic of possibility and potential. And I love how your process probably required an element of patience too, but then also like not knowing what was going to come mm -hmm. 
if you just said, oh, just within the last few months, this trust has really been revealing itself yeah. to you. And yeah. how do you think that plays into strengthening intuition? Oh, gosh. I mean, understanding that it's a process mm -hmm. is a really key part of intuition. It's not something that you necessarily get immediately when you first start touching into it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, there's my gut instinct, but is it fear or is it truth? Yeah. And the more I start to listen to my inner workings of the mind or the gut, it becomes clearer to me that when it's a very clear message without any feeling around it, without any like, sway towards mm -hmm. one way or another, without fear or love around it, then I know it's true. Yeah. Uh, and with, with mindful flow and how that came to be, it was I felt that it was right in my gut, but I didn't quite know why. Yeah. And it was through the practice of continuing to practice and teach it is actually where I was learning more. Mm. Uh, because I, I kept hearing the things that were coming out of my mind, or out of my mouth, rather, in, in the practice. And it was always around trust yourself. Close the eyes, mm. feel the body, move in space, challenge yourself, go where it's uncomfortable, feel into that, lean into that. And that's when I started saying, oh, that's why I did this. Mm. And and uh, certainly the intuition piece is, is a part that I'm always working on. <laughs> oh, I know. It's... It, oh. I love the intuition, and I mean, that's part of the reason the intuition is housed, you know, in the sixth chakra and in the higher realms of energetic development is because it requires so many other things to have been in place. We need to be grounded. We need to be able to get present. We need to be able to clear the space around us. Um, so as the practice that you're teaching, this mindful yoga or mindfulness yoga, as that's developing, are you finding yourself wanting to teach more? Or are you really comfortable with what you're doing right now? Because you have a, a day job, too, that's mm -hmm. really impressive and demanding. And do you want to talk about that balance between yeah. the creativity and the, the heartfulness of being a yoga teacher yeah. balanced with having another? And you love your day job, too, which is so lucky. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't have that in their life, but um, what does that look like and how do you feel that out and how do you ebb and flow between those two energies? Yeah. Like you said, it's a balance. It's a delicate balance and it's also a challenge. Uh, I would love to teach more and delve more into the practice. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I also love exploring this world of uh, tech startup and yeah. I have a huge interest there. So finding the, the balance of how much do I teach, how much do I study, how much do I work. Uh, and I, I've never really viewed uh, teaching yoga as my work mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of I do it for um, economic return. Yep. I've done it for a heart return, spirit return. Um, and that's part of why I think I can try and manage to do it in addition to running a, a tech startup that is already over a full-time job. Yeah. Uh, but to answer the question, like, do I wish I could teach more? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. But I also wish I could delve in more. Yeah, uh, and be find, a student. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, I try to do that as often as I can, yep. when, especially when I'm traveling for work. Yeah. yeah. Well, you recently got back from a week retreat in Italy 
And what, what were you doing there? What was the retreat focus? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It was actually <laughs> not a yoga retreat, uh, although it was a spirit retreat. Yeah. Uh, it was a retreat held by an amazing woman. She's based in New York. Her name's Mama Medicine, and mm-hmm. she is a shamanic practitioner who doesn't work with the plants in the sense of the tradition, but works with the plants in the sense of uh, infusing oils, infusing waters, um, works with singing, works with medicine readings. Mm. Uh, and um, and it's just the most um, really incredible practice because it's all about connecting to earth yeah. and connecting to the elements. And what I was doing there was really grounding into the lower chakras. Yeah. Yeah, and really connecting to earth and... Uh, getting more centered after a really incredibly crazy last uh, few months of work. Mm. Um, And so instead of doing yoga practice in the morning for that week, um, I did what was called a medicine dance (laughs) in the mornings. And it it included some yoga in the very beginning for the first, you know, 15 minutes of the practice. And then it moved into shaking and dancing and Mm. hollering and... It was a really beautiful expression of mindfulness of how you can get really present in your body in, in another way. And that was really cool to experience, although I do prefer yoga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking um, before we started recording a little bit about the importance for many, let me back up, for many of us, we find yoga and we fall in love and it changes our life. And we're so excited to dive in that we go and we do a teacher training. And then we're like, oh my gosh, now I'm going to start teaching. And the pendulum kind of swings a little, for many of us, swings pretty far one direction of just like forsaking tradition in terms of societal tradition, you know, having your nine to five job and, you know, doing this or doing that a lot of people are attracted to the freedom of yoga without having the structure or the support of the mainstream society. And so you and I were talking about actually how important it is for many of us as we transition from teacher, or I'm sorry, from students into teachers, doing it slowly and maybe keeping your day job. What have you found to be um, true for you in terms of that balance? Yeah. I mean, this is a huge, um, huge question because it can go so many ways mm-hmm. for so many different people. But for me, I'm a, I would be an advocate of having something that is grounded in the quote unquote normal society, if you will, uh, as a sustainable income source through, through that transition and, and watch how you grow as a teacher during that And why? Well, for a few reasons. Of course, having economic stability allows you to not stress about money as much and focus then more on what's important about your practice. Because if you're, you know, not able to pay rent on time, how are you going to get centered and mindful? Uh, It's tough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons. And the second reason is that when you are feeling uh, centered and rooted in what's going on uh, in your day life or day job, you can block out the right amount of time you need for your own practice, for teaching, for going on retreats and being able to um, explore more than you would if you had to be teaching 17 yoga classes a week at you know four different studios trying to make ends meet. And so 
I, especially for someone who's beginning in the yoga teaching area and moving from student into teacher, um, there is so much to be said for um, not running into this beautiful flexibility, but rather easing into it, leaning into it slowly and finding different ways to to uh, manage uh, an, a normal job, a quote, yeah. <laughs> and, and yoga teaching as, as work. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I've seen it before where students, again, are so excited about becoming a yoga teacher. And there's almost like this glamour, I think, to being a yoga teacher on, from the outside. And then you sort of get a dose of reality where it can be hard to hustle as a yoga teacher. And um, some studios pay better than others. And it depends how many classes you teach, of course. But it can be a really hard, very stressful career path if you aren't doing other things to support it. And I know for myself, I've been a full-time yoga teacher for uh, several years, and I've absolutely navigated the ups and downs of that. I had, I kept my corporate job for many years as I was becoming a teacher. And there were a few years there where I I had my full-time corporate job and I was teaching yoga full-time on top of that. And yeah, I mean, I had no life Mm -hmm. and I was super excited though but I had a plan and I was doing it slowly. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to quit my corporate job and do yoga full time, I need to be prepared. And that's, that's the unsexy part of it is the preparation and the planning and saving the reality, (laughs) the reality of it. But then when I was able to make that step or ready to make that step, it wasn't as scary and, oh, okay. I had a smaller class this week or, you know, this month, it's summer, everybody's going on vacation. So classes dip anyways, Mm -hmm. and that might impact your, your income as a teacher. And so I love to have this conversation to hear other teachers' experiences and the choices they've made. Are they going to keep their day job? Are they going to quit their day job? And if they quit their day job, at what level does fear creep in? You know, and and for everybody, that's going to be different. You know, some people absolutely have to have, you know, $5,000 in the bank saved as their like rainy day fund and other people have $50 and they're fine. (laughs) (laughs) But at some level, I think unless you are super prepared uh, financially, uh, burnout can come so easily Mm -hmm. as in any profession, but as a teacher where it's so unpredictable. And if you're now financially dependent upon who may or may not show up to class the next day, there's a lot of unknowns there. Yeah, absolutely. And stress. Oh, my goodness, stress. Ugh. Yeah, it takes the joy away yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so I totally agree for um, a transitionary period. Yeah. yeah. And you're super busy because not only <laughs> are you co-founder of a tech startup and a yoga teacher, but you also run a uh, successful green beauty blog, <laughs> Living Pretty Naturally. Yeah. What what can you tell us about that? Oh, Living Pretty Naturally is my little baby. Uh, I started it, uh, her, <laughs> uh, around the same time I moved to Norway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just around, uh, I started, you know, understanding more about what are the products I'm putting on my skin and what is in them and are they tested on animals? A lot were. And so I started to get serious about pitching them and then I started talking about it. And that's how I really created that platform. And, and the first step was talking a, a lot about green beauty, holistic skincare, um, both homemade do-it-yourself and mm-hmm. products that were coming onto the market. 
And so obviously this market has grown leaps and bounds since yeah. I started uh, LPN back in uh, yeah, 2011. And, um, and now I'm even, I'm broadening out into wellness and yoga cool. and, and even spirituality mm -hmm. uh, to kind of bring it all together because it's all interlinked. It's yeah. all connected. And, uh, and that's, um, you know, the, the essence of where it came from and where it is today. What are three of your, like, must-do tips? Mm. Like, if somebody's interested in green beauty and they're like, I'm not really sure where to start, yeah. if you have any resources or, um, like, a number one ingredient to avoid yeah. in beauty care products. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I say for transitioners is do one thing at a time mm -hmm. because it gets so overwhelming if you think, oh, I have to throw out everything and then buy everything new. So my first step is always, okay, when you run out of your cleanser, look for an alternative. When you run out of your eyeshadow, look for an alternative. Mm. Um, and if it's old stuff that's just been sitting around, pitch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in terms of ingredients, I have on my site, livingprettynaturally.com, a... Um, a page that says ingredients to avoid that Perfect. gives a, a short list of here are the main ones yeah. you need to be looking out for. Uh, so like top level, we're looking at parabens, phthalates, sulfates. Um, the list is huge, but um, yeah. there's, there's some core ones that you can avoid quite easily. And there's a lot of new sites and even stores that are opening that mm -hmm. give you a great selection that you don't really have to do all the work yeah. anymore, which is a really nice thing. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of, uh, I guess, my third tip, so it would be around efficacy and, mm -hmm. and looking to see what what is working for people. And that's part of what I do at LPN is talk a lot about, here, this is actually a good product. So yeah. everything I talk about is is something I've used, would use, and would tell people to use again. Because, of course, that's part of my credibility. Is, right. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's one of the things, um, you know, green beauty is also a passion of mine. And it always surprised me because over the years, when I lived in the States, you know, one of our go-tos is Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. And you go to the, the body care aisle in Whole Foods, and like eight, nine, ten years ago, they were stocking what I considered to be more um, pure products. And then, of course, everybody jumped on the bandwagon of mm -hmm. it's eco, it's green, it's natural. And, you know, the problem is for those of us who really care about what we put on our skin, it's marketing has so much uh, con created this confusing atmosphere of like what's real and what's fake oh. and what's just a marketing scam. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, <laughs> a woman, a sister, it's, it's such a problem. And I actually have a post written of the green washers of the yes. green beauty industry and I haven't published it. Are it, you calling people yeah, out? Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally calling people out and, and not just small companies, but massive companies. So I need to be prepared before I put that live for yeah. like, you know, what could well, be the repercussions. Yeah. But like companies like Unilever, they've yeah. launched now their natural beauty line. They have a shampoo and conditioner. I just went in out of curiosity to see what the ingredients first ingredient is sodium lauryl sulfate yeah like this is the one of the big no-nos when it comes to but because they've used uh, a herbal base and some natural ingredients infused in the chemical composition they've labeled it natural they've said it's green yeah. eco-friendly quote-unquote non-toxic 
so many of the companies are doing this. So you're so right. There is yeah. there is the market is inundated because they know natural cells, organic cells. Well, there's only a certain percentage of the ingredients that need to be organic to be certified organic. Yes. And uh, when it comes to finding brands, like I'm always looking like, are they wild crafted? Are they sustainably sourced, biodynamic even? Mm-hmm. Um, just like food in a way. Like yeah. you should look at your skincare like you look at food and how you put on your skin is equal to what goes in your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's the last time, let's see, I was, I was back in the States over Christmas in December and the last few years I lived in the U.S., it got harder and harder just to go to Whole Foods for that very reason where, again, people, they have this trust. They're like, oh, it's Whole Foods or it's, you know, Schmitz or it's whatever this company is that they've kind of associated with clean beauty. And if you read the back of the label and you're Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, this is so deceptive. And that's really unfortunate because then it puts the responsibility heavily on the consumer to be educated and do your homework and learn, you know, things that foam, even if it says it's natural or it's clean or it's organic, it's like, yep, yeah, I don't want it. Yeah. And you wouldn't know that unless you spent the time researching. And it's also, I think, even more challenging in Norway. The regulations here, the import laws are so strict to get more of these natural products. And I know you did um, a post a while ago, right? Or, Or do you keep a running list of... Um, products in Norway? I don't have a running list, but I have done a few posts on on Mm -hmm. natural in Norway. Um, So I think one of my posts is natural in Norway, talking about the shops. And then there's another one I brought out, like part two, Mm -hmm. uh, just a few months back. Uh, that talks about where to where to shop for a lot of these these types of skincare goods yeah. uh, in Norway, um, and certainly there are companies that are making efforts to keep their quality and ingredient lists high and yeah. and uh, not using greenwashing products. But of course, you know they're also do, doing so much due diligence they can't do everything. So sometimes things slip through the cracks and yeah. and. Um, and as an, a consumer, we do have some onus on us to to take responsibility for what goes into our home and onto our bodies. Yeah, yeah. and I, I totally agree with that. And especially if we are really interested in health and wellness on a more intense level than perhaps just the average person on the street. But I also think it's frustrating when you have to become very... Uh, good at reading between the lines mm. sometimes. And I think that's a really valuable resource that you've provided to our community is you've done that homework in terms of what we can find in Norway. And so um, to everybody listening, I highly recommend that you go to her website and check that out because um, it is hard to know. And, you know, when I'm leading teacher trainings and we talk about dinacharya, like our, our daily routines, our self-care uh, we talk a lot about oil and the Abhyanga massage and mm-hmm. doing dry brushing and nausea, doing nasal cleansing and the tongue scraper. And it in the Western world, we're not really exposed to that kind of body care. Yeah. And as soon as we learn it, it's like, oh, my gosh, this makes so much sense. I feel so much better when I do these things. What are some of your favorite personal body care rituals? Oh, gosh, where do I even <laughs> start? I can start right with body brushing. I mean, that's like my daily love. Uh, I use an essential oil on the hand, take my body brush, 
rub it in a bit and then I go from feet up and that's one of my favorite things to do before the shower mm. um, from there it's like I like to look at the the skincare ritual uh, my skincare as a ritual mm -hmm. if you will so yep. I like to put love and effort into it so it's easy to just slap things on when you're you know tired at the end of the day but I would say like dry body brushing is a big one for me. I love doing face masks, um, trying all different kinds. Uh, sheet masks sometimes, but I mostly love like really refined mud masks yeah. that you mix with water and get a nice frothy uh, consistency. Um, I love doing self-massage, especially on my feet with like almond oil or just like a really... Uh, basic oil I don't like to use anything too fragrant sometimes some essential oil mixed in um, hair masks mm -hmm. I love hair masks I have too much hair so it's kind of a necessity as well so yeah. um, I love using uh, castor oil mixed with coconut oil for hair masks oh cool that's um, really nice to sleep in as well if you put a towel down on your on your uh, pillow yeah because um, castor oil is really good for hair growth and the coconut oil is so hydrating do you find I usually try and do um, from an Ayurvedic background like I do everything with sesame seed oil of course, it's like yeah. that's you know so good for everything. Mm. But the problem is when you do the hair masks or the scalp massage, for me, because my hair is very dry mm. and I have a lot of it, it takes forever for me to wash it out. Yeah. And is that the same with the castor and the coconut oil? Yeah, it does take usually two wash to get it out yeah. um, uh, in a proper yeah. proper way. But if it's summertime and you're beach bomb bombing and yeah. just... Like I would just do one wash and let it kind of sit in there and hydrate yeah. the ends while you're... But I mean, if you're going to work or you have an event or something and need squeaky clean hair, it's going to take a couple washes. Yeah. And, and then making sure you have a really high quality conditioner um, to follow on mm -hmm. because you could end up with drier hair after yeah. you've washed it three times to get everything out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, what else... Or I guess what's next for the Living Pretty Naturally blog? Oh God, that's that's another. Or is it good just question. kind of the, <laughs> yeah? You're happy. I mean, you have so much going on already. Is it mm. just continuing what's already been working for you? I mean, there's so much I have in my heart that I want to put out into the world. It's it's just a matter of time and timing. You know, I'm I'm really a firm believer of like not necessarily good timing, but I like to say goddess timing. Mm. Like it, it comes when it when it's time. When it's ready, um, I'd love to look at doing a skincare line one day uh, in the in the future. Um, I'd also love to grow Living Pretty Naturally into more of an online resource that has updates far more often. And that's yeah. that's again a time time thing. Uh, I try to get my Instagram updated as, as often as I can, but uh, articles I think is my writing is where I'm really passionate. Yeah. And um, and I'd love to grow that into a more of a resource mm -hmm. um, that people can go to and find everything that they yeah. need on wellness and yoga and green skincare and yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have you know when I've looked on your website and when I see like your Instagram stories and stuff, I always get a little sad inside because so many of the products that you're testing or that you're being sent. Um, 
can't get it here. Yeah, they can be <laughs> tough in Norway. I mean, there's a few sites where you can find some really fantastic brands. Um, pureu.no is a really good resource. Are they kind of new? Uh, they've been around for four years okay. now, I think, okay. but um, they've rebranded recently. Okay, so maybe that's what I'm that thinking. That might be why. Yeah. Um, there's also skinlove.no. Uh, I know she carries a lot of great brands. And then um, right in Oslo, if you're based in the Nor Norway, Oslo region, uh, Parfumeria, Gimla Parfumeria, they have a lot of great natural brands uh, carried mm -hmm. in, in that shop on the left-hand side. The right side is all traditional Dior, Chanel's, etc. But on the left side, they have a fantastic selection of like Sherwise, RMS Beauty, uh, a lot of some of my favorite products are, oh, are nice. carried there. Yeah. Um, and then as far as like international brands and getting them over, I sometimes do order through sites like Love Lula, uh, mm -hmm. which you can do the tax refund already in the site so that they don't charge you tax there. So it ends up being okay when you oh, import it really over. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, lovelula.com is, is that one. Um, yeah, and of course, when I'm traveling, I stock up yeah. and yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know roughly like what percentage of people who visit your site are Scandinavian mm. versus yeah, other? I think my biggest market is the US, mm -hmm. um, but uh, Canada and Norway uh, are around the second and third largest mm -hmm. markets uh, yeah. that visit on, on my livingprettynaturally.com. Yeah. Yeah. I think that has to do with being here now. Yeah. yeah. I don't think if I, I lived here that it would be that way. But um, as you live in this place, you start to experience all the, the goodness here. And so I share a lot, like when I'm down at Sil Silver and Muller and Sylvia, that little grocery shop just around the corner here with all organic, straight from farm, locally sourced, no packaging, I like talk about that. And so I think that's where a lot of my uh, Norwegian followers have come from. Just yeah, well, and it's, I think it's the same with the yoga community here. Like, it's growing quickly, and people are interested, and the status quo isn't working. Mm -hmm. So we have to be looking for something new, and it's ironic that a lot of what we're finding is plant-based. It's from the earth. It's been around for a long time, and it's just been, you know, updated for the modern person. But, yeah, if we're using the purest, like, for example, mud masks for our face. It's not that crazy. It's See literally from the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's really cool that hopefully the more people in Scandinavia and specifically in Norway that are starting to demand this from local stores and getting more interested in it, hopefully that will continue to grow too so that we can find the products we're looking for. Yeah. It's grown so much since I moved here. Like when I first moved here, there was one organic raw vegan restaurant. One. <laughs> and I was, at that time, I was a raw vegan. Yeah. So I moved here in total shock going, what am I going to eat? Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, and the grocery stores didn't have organic foods very much. And there was a few shops that had them, but it was like $9 US for kale. Oh. And I remember going, I'm going to die here. Yeah. <laughs> so I started incorporating more local uh, foods. I started eating more cooked vegetables and and that's actually been quite nice for the body because I'm eating more with the climate. And yeah. I have noticed over these years that more and more organics, I mean, there's huge organic sections in the grocery stores yeah. now. It is easy to find, you know, your basics uh, in terms of self-care in organic and natural items. 
um, yoga studios have blown up in the yeah. city. There was like three when I first moved here, and now it's it's everywhere. Yeah. So there is certainly something happening in Scandinavia right now, uh, especially Norway, uh, which I can speak to personally. Yeah. Uh, that there is a, a shift and it's getting bigger, and I expect it to continue growing. Yeah. Mm. I I agree. I've been here full-time now for two years, and that's been my experience also, mm. seeing that shift in consciousness that feels good mm. when we take care of ourselves in a way that's not so commercial and full of crap. And, you know, when we talk about the skin as the largest organ of the body and whatever we put on the body, then it gets absorbed. And internally, our organs have to decide, is this something we use? Is this something we eliminate? Or if it's an unknown, if it's a synthetic chemical of some kind, then a lot of times it gets stuck in the body because mm -hmm. the body just freaks out and doesn't know what to do. And I've, I've spoken with a lot of women too recently who are even taking the shift into getting off birth control yeah. and moving into taking control of um, the moon cycle mm -hmm. in ways that we, you know, I'm in my mid late thirties ways that I'd never been taught before. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what's happening. I mean, one of the posts I'm working on right now that I'm doing over time because I'm testing it myself yeah. is natural birth control. Yeah. And how do you how do you work with your cycle naturally to have the whether or not you want a child at this point in your life mm -hmm. and and watch how your cycle moves with the planets, with the moon and connecting mm -hmm. it to the, the earth cycles. I think it's fascinating, and you're right. It wasn't something I was brought up with. I was told when I was 12, oh, you have cramps? You go on birth control. Like, yeah. my doctor told me that when I was yeah. 12. Yeah. And I was on birth control until I was about 18 or 19 years yeah. old, and then I thought, this sucks. Yeah. I feel like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's when I started um, kind of exploring the natural side, and, uh, and uh, since then it's been, you know, a series of trying different things to see what works and right now I'm trying um, temperature and uh, ovulation cycles using app and using a thermometer and yeah. yeah and I think what it all comes back to too is the reason this feels good is because all of these practices of deeper awareness feel good because they're rooted in something that is cyclical mm. meaning when we take our cues from the natural world the cycles of life the cycles of day the cycles of the seasons and we get more tied into the nature and getting further away from the chemicals and synthetics and things that have been manufactured, then it's like, oh, interesting. There is a new way to live that actually is kind of an old way to live. Yeah. And if you look at what's happening now with uh, cities even, the, people are starting to understand the lack of nature in cities yeah. is causing depression. Yeah. It's causing people to feel disconnected from our natural rhythm, our natural life mm -hmm. rhythm. And a lot of what the architects of the future are bringing up now is how do they, how do we get rid of roads? How do we bring in more trees? How do we bring forest into the city? Mm -hmm. And it's such a reversal, like we were talking about earlier. It's like coming full circle from yeah. your mud mask going right back yeah <laughs> it's like how do we live more with nature not just in it but in tune with it and respecting it and yeah. and how much that can impact our well-being mentally spiritually physically mm. well and I also think that um I lost my train of thought cut where was I going with this cut 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 Andrew <laughs> oh, I just stopped 
Yeah, well, and I think all of these practices bring us back to one main practice, and that's awareness. That's observation. And all of yoga talks about that. All of the yoga texts talk about that. Um, established teachers talk about that. We don't just do yoga. We don't just do meditation. We have to do the observation part first. And in order to observe how our body feels if we're on birth control or how our body feels if we eat Cheetos or how our body feels if we use synthetic body care products from Victoria's Secret. Dot, <laughs> 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 dot. <laughs> um, then we're more able to make conscious choice mm. and step into a place that feels good and feels natural and taps back in to those organic rhythms. And that's really what this podcast comes back to, one sacred pause, this idea that when we are able to step into observation, we're then able to step into choice. And that's where we have capacity for self-healing mm. in whatever form that takes, uh, because I think the practice does meet us where we are. And sometimes we're ready to do one thing. We're ready to switch, um, you know, our face cleanser. Yeah. And that's it. Or maybe one day we're ready to go try a yin yoga class. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful because my experience has been, and then I'd love to hear your experience, that every small change I've made getting closer to these practices of awareness and observation, uh, it's been positive for me. And so I want more. And I make more change and more change and more change. And now my life looks so different from how it did 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Like, I don't even remember that person. <laughs> and I'm so happy that we have all of this time, if we find the path, to then explore the path. Yeah. What has your experience been? Oh, my gosh. I think you're a faster learner than I am, but I can totally agree with the pieces when you find okay, I can make a little change here. I have thought for the longest time, like I am who I am and mm. that doesn't change. Yeah. For the longest time, I thought I will always be stuck with this feeling of stress, this mm. feeling of over-worrying, this feeling of not having enough. These are just parts of me. Yeah. Until you start to realize that's not you at all. It's not anything to do with you. It's just conditioning and these are all pieces that can be changed. And I didn't really start realizing that till a couple years ago, to yeah. be honest. Well, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I still absolutely <laughs> deal with that too. And, and stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's the human condition though. Yeah. And it's not, the point isn't maybe in this lifetime anyways, to totally get rid of that. Yeah. The point in this lifetime as a householder is to get better at understanding, like yeah. just listening. Mm -hmm. That's it. And, mm -hmm. you know, when we have that one second, that one moment of pause, we get better able at deepening our relationship to self yeah. is my belief and my experience. Uh, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think when I have a moment where I realize I have a realization, yeah. I realize that I have, it is literally one sacred pause. It is one second in which I mm -hmm. reflect, what am I doing in this moment? Yeah. What is this action I'm about to take? Whether it's like, uh, you know, making a decision at work or fighting at home with my beloved boyfriend and I love him to bits but he can drive me nuts sometimes yeah. and being in a moment where we're in a fight and I actually take that one moment mm -hmm. to pause and say I can pivot yeah right now I can change my pattern of how I would normally react yeah. and how 
amazingly powerful that can be in shifting the relationship into a new level and shifting your consciousness yeah. into a new level is incredible. And it's literally so small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can't, um, I mean, I think in the last few years, I've really started to realize how much impact that that one moment, that one breath, that one thought can can change the course and how a culmination of those moments and thoughts can change your life. And, um, and that's what I think is so beautiful about you doing this podcast and that being the, the basis for why is because it, it is so... Uh, so profound although we often miss it yeah and yeah and thank you it's that is my hope and my goal with this podcast and these conversations is creating a catalyst for conversation and thinking about oh hmm what would that look like if I changed one thing in my life or the moment that engaging that pause between the thought and the action because so many of us our whole life, we're conditioned, and we condition ourselves to do the same thing over and over and over. Same thoughts, patterns, and behaviors. Even when they can maybe even be harmful to some mm -hmm. degree. We have that same fight with our beloved. We do that same cop-out at, at work. Or we you know, always have that same nasty reaction when somebody says something snotty to us. Mm -hmm. And the practice of yoga and then ultimately meditation is disengaging or detaching from those old same patterns and behaviors. And it's very easy, I think, to just float through life doing the same thing over and over and over. And that's the definition of insanity, mm. doing the same thing over, expecting a different result. Yeah. And yoga offers us a path that has a different way if we're willing to step onto it. And you know, it's so easy to just do the same thing, and it's so hard to take that breath and that pause and be like, Okay. Oh, it's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> it is, especially when you're in the middle of a fight and you're yeah. ready for your next plan of action or course of action. Like, how can I force hurt or yeah. the same pain I'm feeling onto this person? And what if you take that second to just step back and say, wait a minute, let's just trust that their intention is good, that yeah. they're in pain too. Wait a minute. Yeah. He's in pain. Oh my God, he's in pain. I'm so... Uh, you know, you become aware and then you start to change your action and reaction. Yeah. Changes everything. And that's, I mean, we're talking ultimately about karma as mm -hmm. well and karmic ruts that we create and, and they can be small, mm -hmm. always having the same McDonald's hamburger for lunch every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or they can be huge, changing, mm -hmm. you know, where, where you work or where you live or your partner. Um, but yoga also offers us the chance through the practice of observation of self to really get in line with our dharma and our purpose and our sacred duty. And, you know, I think that's a conversation for another day because it's mm, so big and it's so, <laughs> so exciting though, I think. But what I'd like to hear from you about is, you know, continuing the thought of one sacred pause and leading into a moment of stillness or a moment of silence, mm. which in our modern society, we don't get a whole lot of. So we have to work really hard to cultivate that. Yeah. And hopefully through that moment, finding just a little respite leading into maybe a state of meditation. Yeah. And what, what are some ways that you like to cultivate stillness or silence in your life? Yeah. There's some ways I do it that are more manufactured, and that is creating a, a time of day every morning that mm -hmm. I have a set of stillness. 
Yeah. Like I literally have in my calendar, like every morning, 11 minutes meditation. Awesome. And, and it just appears every morning. And that is, you know, my, my time where I manufacture it. But then it comes, the tricky part is when you're in your day and something triggers you and whether you take that moment in, in those moments. Mm-hmm. And to do that, it's often when I notice I'm clenching my jaw. Yes. That's a big one for me is like, I'll be working away on writing an email or whatnot. I'm not, I'm probably not even mad. I'm just, you know, in the zone. Yeah. And then I realize, holy mackerel, I am clenching my teeth. Like I'm chewing on a piece of leather yeah. and taking that, like just realization first, releasing the jaw second, breathing third, mm. and then coming back. And, you know, it, it takes a series of, what, 10 seconds for this to happen, but brings me so much more centered into a more peaceful state yeah. and still accomplishing what I need to get done. I mean, the other little things I like to do is, like, when I go to the washroom, I treat that like a little bit of sacred time, yeah. <laughs> actually. I, like, take a lot of time to wash my hands and feel the water um, and, you know, take some moments to just kind of have my own space yeah. away from... The, the office and and then go back in with a little bit of refresh even though I just went to the public washroom yeah like, it, it doesn't need to be something huge and, and serious um, it can be small daily uh, reminders that bring you centered bring you back to self bring you back to stillness and then yeah stress of course too when I feel stressed breath yeah always breath Yes, I'm, I'm with you on that. Breath is, mm-hmm. that's my practice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of what you said before we wrap up here, or to piggyback on what you said, what you're describing is, or what I hear you describing is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Is It's not just, oh, it's time for yoga. I'm going to go to my yoga class at the studio, and then, then I go back to my super stressful life. It's mm-hmm. Finding these small, accessible ways to integrate mindfulness into your everyday activity. Going to the public restroom. (laughs) (laughs) Your 11-minute reminder that comes up on your smartphone. And I think that's a really great kind of example to give to other people, too. And we can also be sounding boards for one another and for our community at large, where the more we talk about it, the more we say, oh, this is the trick that works for me. Mm -hmm. Or this is my tip. Then it becomes more accessible for more people. And I think that's awesome. The more Mm. mindfulness that we have in this world, in this community, oh my God. We would change it. We would totally (laughs) change it. Can you imagine if everyone that before they went into a meeting took like five deep breaths? Yeah. Like, can you imagine the outcome of that meeting if everyone was centered in in, uh, wanting to come to a amicable conclusion? Yeah. Amazing. I know. Yeah. Um. So there's a question that I ask everybody on the podcast, mm. and it can be a big answer, it can be a small answer, it's just sort of your initial intuitive reaction. Um, so if you could get still enough and quiet enough, who would you be if you listened to the wisdom within? Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult question to answer because it could be everything and all things really when you get still enough and quiet enough what I would be I think is maybe the way I would ask the question to myself and that would be light Mm. 
Like in that stillness and in that space, the only thing that really matters is that lightness, is that purity, that source energy. Mm. I mean, maybe that sounds really big and grand, but it's actually quite small and granular, is that light is just the life force. It's just, it's not happy or sad. It's not angry or joyous. It's there and it's pure and it's all knowing and it's at peace. Hmm. Peace. Peace. Hmm. Now I feel peaceful. (laughs) (laughs) Hearing the description. Yeah. I love that. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Hmm. Kate. And um, yeah. We'll just keep the conversation rolling, whether the microphone's on or not. It's um, all about the observation, all about making this our life's work, Mm -hmm. which I think you're doing really well. So, and you too. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. All right. That is it. Have a wonderful day, yogis and meditators. Hada.